Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Tuesday, May 5th, 2020. Moving right along, a big thank you to my brother Sam Hersema for being on the show yesterday. It was great to share some laughs with him. We have a great guest on today in Captain Maynard Bajorquez of the United States Army, a former teammate of mine. He is a West Point graduate and just an all-around great guy. He's going to talk about his career in the military the past 10 years, also some experiences at West Point. Should be a lot of fun. Some crazy times here in the country, but especially in California, I think there's a desperate plea for the state to open back up. There is a lot of activity in Orange County. There was some big protests and such in Huntington Beach specifically. I'm seeing more and more small businesses saying, uh, you know, we are we don't want to <laughs> listen anymore to some of the mandates and such, and they're opening businesses because they feel they're going to go homeless if they if they don't open up their restaurants and such. So it's it's very interesting right now. I think this is a time where uh, things could go any direction. I I hope that they gradually start to open up, and we maybe do it a little bit at a time. I know Governor Newsom has angered a lot of people here in California. Uh, he's trying to do what he can, I know, but uh, a lot of people are just itching to get back to uh, to business and, and also start making some progress with this thing. I think uh, it's really getting to everyone. And I kind of knew that about a month or so in, a month and a half now, uh, almost two months here, another week or so, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely wearing on people. So I just want to see some progress. I'm, I'm sure everyone else does. As far as our guests go the rest of the week... <laughs> On that note, Bill Barnes will be back here tomorrow for the weekly Wednesday weigh-in. He will be uh, very passionate about his topics of conversation. I know he was very angered by some of the things the governor did over the weekend. And uh, so much so that Bill has left the state. And he will be joining us tomorrow from a, an undisclosed, undisclosed location as of right now. But we'll fill you in where that is tomorrow morning when we talk to him. On Thursday, we have Phil Solis on the program, a college football official, but he also works in the finance industry. He's been doing some really good things in the financial industry the past couple years. He will talk about his success there, uh, including times right now with the virus and how those are affecting his business and, and, and some other fun topics going down memory lane with Phil. On Friday, we have Joe Wellman, a basketball coach at California Baptist University in Riverside. He's been an assistant college basketball coach a long time, and he's going to talk to us about that journey and what it's like coaching at the college level, as well as some uh, old memories of growing up and uh, even playing against each other, an opponent, an opponent of mine once upon a time. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to Will Tarico. He sent a message to the program. Sam and I had a fun conversation yesterday regarding uh, my father and, and my dad dancing at a basketball game of mine and kind of taunting the visiting bench as we kind of made our way towards a victory late in the game. Well, Will Tarico sent me the clip and it was as funny now as it was back then. And as a matter of fact, the clip itself says whoever the, the game was against. And then at the very end, it says, plus Dave, my dad, Dave Hersema. So it was really great to see. I sent it to a few friends. 
That was a memorable game and really funny to look back on my dad almost 20 years ago now, uh, dancing, taunting, all of the above to the Chadwick bench. So that was really fun to hear my brother talk about it uh, last night or, or yesterday's recording and then to see that <laughs> played live. So if any of you are interested in that clip, let me know. It should be out there. Mr. Bray, uh, the father of uh, Rio Hondo Prep father of a few different kids who went to Rio has been the the uh, video guy for a long time with sporting events. He's, he's really done a good job of piecing together some old footage on his own uh, site and such. So really good to look back on that and, ha- and have a laugh. Uh, I watched the Jordan documentary over the weekend, uh, pretty late Sunday night when I finally sat down to watch it. And I was intrigued again. That that show, The Last Dance, really is a lot of fun. It is, it's fun to look back and see kind of the pressures and just the the camaraderie, but also some of the the disagreements. And I'm sure there's a lot more to to uh, to follow. So, The Last Dance, I think, is going to be a nice little <laughs> little dance down down the road here. Uh, the last couple episodes, I can't wait. It's really intriguing to see all the faces and kind of just the the different uh, uh, you know interactions Kobe Bryant scene was was definitely a little uh, you know a little emotional seeing him and talk to talk about Michael Jordan and uh, I was pleased to see that the episode was dedicated to to Kobe's memory but just really cool to see the old stars interacting and uh, I can't wait for the episode next week. The NFL made an announcement the other day about no games being played in uh, London, Mexico, what kind of they've been doing the past few years, playing uh, in, in other countries, international games or whatever you want to call them. And it's usually the Jaguars. The Rams had to do it a bunch of times or every, once every year. That was part of their agreement in moving to L.A. was once a year they'd have to give up a home game and go over to either uh, England or, or they were supposed to be in Mexico a couple years. I think it was similar for the Chargers. I'm not sure about the Raiders, but the NFL announced due to coronavirus and just looking far ahead down the line this upcoming season that they were going to cancel all the games that were to be played in other countries this year. I, I like the expansion of the fan base to other countries, You know, making the NFL game a worldwide game I think the NBA did that a while back you see it saw that in the documentary of Michael Jordan even you know expanding the game globally but I think the NFL is so it's such an urgent game it's only 16 games they're going to go to 17 games here shortly but I don't think it's right that a team I don't care if it's the Jaguars or the Browns or the Bengals or that they have to go over and play a one of their games in another country to sacrifice a home game. That I mean, I, I hate being the the fair police, the guy that's always like, oh, that's not fair, that's not fair, because we live in such a wussified uh, generation now where eh, that's not fair. Well, life's not fair, so I don't know how they how they should do it or could do it. Maybe. Maybe if they're going to continue the, the international games that they do it by based off a record, like, hey, the bottom six teams, you got to play, <laughs> give up a home game and play overseas. I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the reasoning is, but 
the NFL is all about structure and and balance and everything all the time. And it just for the past few years, this this deep desire to play in another country, it's never really sat well with me. It's, it's just kind of weird. But I'm not in charge. Maybe some other people like it. They like the, the opportunity for people in London to see an NFL game. They used to do all this stuff in like the preseason. The NFL would play preseason games in you know these other countries. So I don't know if maybe that's an answer to go back to that. But unfortunately, once you start something, once you start down a certain road and with some of these things, it's hard to uh, to then go back. So those are my thoughts on that. I just any opportunity again to talk about the NFL, I'm going to do it. And so I heard about that, and I wanted to express my thoughts on that. As always, there's many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have a Twitter handle, Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram pages are Get Home Safe Podcasts, and our email address is Get Home Safe Podcasts at yahoo.com. You can reach us in any one of those platforms. You can also listen to us in many platforms. Apple, Spotify, we run our podcast through the Anchor app. That's a great way to listen as well. But any way that you support the show is greatly appreciated. Our, our total plays continue to rise, guys. And, and I'm going to keep saying it because it keeps happening. So thank you to all of you who have done that. Uh, Maynard Bajorquez, I knew him as a, not a classmate, but as a teammate. He was a year younger than me at Real Hondo Prep. He was a great teammate, the kind of guy you want on your team. will do anything for you. He would, uh, you know, he'd run through a brick wall for you. He was a, you know, a member of the Brotherhood, I guess you could say. And, and it's definitely shown as with all the great things he's gone into uh, in, in his life. Going to West Point was no uh, was no small order. That was definitely tough. And, and I'm, I can't wait to hear him talk about that because I couldn't be prouder that, that he did that. And he's just an all-around great guy. I haven't talked to him in a long time, so it was great to sit down and have a conversation with him and just hear about all the success he's had. He's a big fan of the show. He reached out to me and and told me, hey, what you're doing is great. I'd love to come on sometime. And said, oh, dude, the honor would be all mine, absolutely all mine to have you on. Uh, So let's make it happen. So with that said, let's get right to it. Let's not waste any more time. Here is Captain Maynard Bohorquez. Okay, guys, today we have a really special guest. He is a West Point graduate from 2010. He's been in the Army for 10 years. He's an engineer officer. He's a captain. He's currently in Louisville, Kentucky, and it is a privilege to bring him on the show today, Mr. Maynard Bajorquez. Welcome to the program. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Thank you so much. Really excited for this awesome opportunity oh the, the pleasure is is ours we uh you are our first serviceman on the podcast and you know thank you so much for your service and all you do I'm, i hope you hear that often from people but it's a real privilege to talk to you my friend uh it is a great privilege to talk to you it's been been a long time since i heard your voice <laughs> i appreciate that you actually created this podcast well you know maynard that's that's a big reason we started it was just to reach out to to talk to different friends and people before all this quarantine even. And, you know, it just, it just started to kind of snowball and, you know, we all have a ton of Facebook friends and Twitter followers and uh, you know, people post Snapchat videos, but you community to talk to friends from the past or former colleagues and everything. So that's kind of what is motivating me with all this. And it's just been really exciting. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you, you've been a listener. 
Oh yes, I, I, I've, you can tell. Ask my wife. The last two days, just been listening to your, each of your <laughs> your podcasts, or so she's been laughing at me and just hearing the good old stories from Bill and Devin, <laughs> and of course from Mark and Todd. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, Maynard, you and I met. Uh, well, we we went to Care Youth League together. You were a year below me, so we never really played each other or, uh, that much. And in junior high, we didn't interact a whole lot, but. When we got to high school at Real Hondo Prep is where I think our friendship really started. We played together uh, multiple years, uh, you know, mostly football, some baseball too in there, uh, even some basketball. But uh, what was it like, Maynard, uh, starting in Cary Youth League? Uh, it's, it was very unique for me. Uh, I was born in Long Beach, but my parents, they, we moved uh, to Puerto Rico for a couple of years, then came back. Uh, I ended up moving, we ended up moving to West Covina, then Covina. And then we literally lived about five minutes from Wingate Park. And my dad took me to Care Youth League. And I did not know a single word of English whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it was Mr. Jim Davis who saw me with my dad and said, hey, let Manor play. Did not know anything about baseball. In fact, I was one of those guys who hit the ball and actually ran a third base instead of first base <laughs> because I never seen baseball. <laughs> so it was quite an experience for me and it's truly a great blessing to have grown up in that program. And at what age did you start, Maynard? Were you uh, uh, kindergarten, five years old? No, I actually, uh, first grade. First grade is when we started. Okay. And, and Care Youth League, you, you ran through that uh, program a long time uh, into sixth grade and eventually into Rio Hondo Prep. And, and I want to start off by saying, Maynard, you know, I haven't talked to your family much uh, or yourself in a long time, but you have two amazing parents. You have a twin sister, Monica, that uh, so we all kind of ran in the same circles in high school. So I think your family <laughs> yeah. is, is wonderful. And, and uh, if they get a chance to listen, a big hello to the Bajorquez family. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'll get Monica to listen and she'll, she'll get a good <laughs> kick out of this as well. Well, we got to get her on the podcast too. I know she's probably uh, going through a, really tough time right now with uh, she's a nurse right is that correct yeah she's a, a nurse at uh, Yerba Linda I believe and yeah she's been she's she's on the front lines right now for sure so she has some interesting times yeah she's she's very busy and maybe when all this winds down we'll we'll get her to talk about some of her experiences in the nursing field but but back to you and in, in uh, and growing up in Cary Youth League you said you had Jim Davis as a first coach uh, you mentioned Mark Carson. Was was he still coaching the Tigers at that time when you were coming up? Yeah. So I think it, for me it went Mr. Mr. Davis, Mr. Uh, Mr. Reed, Mark Carson. Also had Todd. I think Double A. So I think like third grade or fourth grade. And then I went to middle school at Rio Hondo. So. So I got a full taste of all those guys, <laughs> great coaches. Well, it had to be fun for you going into junior high and, and getting to, to then uh, play under Todd Carson again after a little bit on the Tigers and then getting into high school and, and having Mark Carson as a coach there. Also, uh, you know, having been coached by them in your younger days. Oh, yeah. So what's interesting, too, or actually, so I, n- I never got the luxury to had, uh, have Todd coached me in junior high he was with you guys he, you guys he stuck with you in seventh and eighth grade and I had uh, Mr. Randy Johnson oh that's right seventh and eighth grade mm-hmm. 
So I remember you guys, you guys, oh man, I was, I would be scared to play football against you guys because you guys were bigger than us, <laughs> faster. I was like, man, you guys had good size. So it was pretty, pretty good time. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, man. And we, like I said, we, we became teammates in high school and, and Real Hondo prep and, and you were a vital part of, of uh, all the, the success and it was a lot of fun playing with you. Oh, it was great playing with you. I, I remember one time football, I think it was your senior year, my junior year. I got hit hard and I, I, I got my, like the wind knocked out of me. And you said, Maynard, you got to stay in. You got to stay in. I'm like, okay, I'll stay in. So I always remember that piece of you in, in the, during football games. I got to stay in for me. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, I remember that game. I, it was an opener. I think it was at Hamilton up in Anza. And, you know, if you don't know much about Real Hondo Prep, we never quite have the amount of uh, bodies of, of people to play. We're, all, we're playing 11-man football, and I think we had like 20 guys. Uh, you know, you, you put your best 11 out there, and, and you know, the, the first substitutes you have are not always the best. So I think it was a key situation, and you were, you were really sucking wind. And on your way to the sideline, I was like, hey, where are you going? There's nobody else, dude. <laughs> There's no one else. We need you out here. <laughs> So, yep, I got to stay in. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff, Maynard. We're, well, you were a great teammate. You were uh, you, you bulked up for your, your junior season, and you played some offensive line for us. You're a tough guy, always uh, in the middle of things. And, and those are some great memories, man, from the, from the gridiron. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, Maynard, you, you graduate Real Hondo Prep the year after me. You uh, – you always had the interest in the military and I know you went to Cal state Fullerton for a year and then to the uh, military prep school before eventually going to West point. So tell me about life after real Hondo prep and, and your college years. Yeah. So uh, I was fortunate to go to Cal state Fullerton for a year. So I guess uh, I always had my site on West point, even at real Hondo prep. Unfortunately, my ACT scores, and I'll be honest, weren't high enough, especially the verbal math. I was good. Uh, so they told me to reapply again at Cal State Fullerton. I uh, did, did a really good job there in school with the civil engineering program, which I think it helped in my my admission process. And I got a, a seat for the United States Military Academy prep school at Fort Dix, New Jersey. Um, again, giving me an additional year to kind of prepare myself to for the, the rigorous academic program of West Point. And then after one year there, I went to the academy for four years. I graduated with a civil engineering degree, and then I commissioned as an engineering officer from the academy. And that was at, uh, that was at West Point after the prep school? Was, was the prep school only, what, one year? Yeah, prep school is one year. It's uh, it's a different campus now. The prep school is actually on West Point oh. with the academy. So once I, I did one year at the prep school, then you move on to the academy. I have four years at West Point, and then, yeah, that commission out of there as a second lieutenant in the Corps of Engineers. Wow. Well, well, Maynard, I'm sure most people out there have heard of West Point and the military academies and the other service academies. But take us through what it was like. Uh, maybe, and I don't know if it changes when you're a freshman versus a senior, but take us what it was like oh. for a typical day at West Point. So freshman year, we, we're known as the plebes. Mm -hmm. 
So we lose all privileges as a plebe. So we will ha have to literally walk against the walls. We have to cup our hands, so close grip hands. Uh, anytime we see an upperclassman, so you're looking at sophomore, junior, seniors, we have to greet them. Uh, we have to know the, the next three meals. We have to say in a specific format. Uh, we can't talk to any of our peers or anybody while, while we're walking to our classrooms. Um, so it's, it's, it's not like a haze. It's just, it's just a tradition of learning from the, uh, the, what right looks like. Um, and then once you're a sophomore, you're kind of now mentoring your freshmen. You're, you're kind of responsible to freshmen. As a junior, you're now mentoring kind of like six sophomores and freshmen. And once you're a senior, kind of mentoring the juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. Uh, so it's, it's quite interesting. Um, I didn't have any issues with the military or physical part of the academy. It's more of the rigorous academic program. I wasn't really prepared for that. Uh, especially normally uh, an engineering degree it normally takes you five years at a normal college. West Point, you got four years. So you, we're staying up. There were a lot of nights that I had to stay up till very early in the morning working on my problem sets, you know, to try and get through thermal or whatever class I was taking for engineering. So I think Rio Hondo prep, really, I think anybody who has gone through Rio Hondo prep or gone through Care Youth League has the right set of mindset values. And I think that anybody who goes through that program can succeed at West Point. It wasn't hard for me. Just, if you do the right things, you work hard, it's, it's not really a, a haze uh, your freshman year at the academy. Wow, that's interesting. And with the engineering degree, you know, other schools, like you said, five years or so, but there at the academy, you not only have four years, one less year to do it, but you have so many more other activities going on as well, right? With training and all kinds of different classes. Yeah, so we, we had to take our military science classes. Uh, we have mandatory uh, physical training that we have to take. So our freshman year, we have to take uh, boxing. So I learned how to take a punch, throw a punch. <laughs> so that was interesting times. Um, we have mandatory swim classes, you know, swimming with our military gear, learning how to take it off. And then in our summer, uh, we go out to the field, learn tactics and uh, how to write our order process, uh, what we call op orders and so forth. So it's pretty interesting. One summer, I got the opportunity to go to airborne school. So I got I got my airborne wings, jump out of airplane five times. <laughs> so it's it's quite an adventurous time at West Point. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. What 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 was the time of day you guys would typically get up in the morning? Uh, it, it ranges who you are, depending on what you're also what sports program you're participating. Um, so it depends. Some people get up at five to do their own physical training to go to the gym, work out. Uh, there's a, what I did my junior and senior year, I competed in the Sandhurst competition. It's a military competition where you have ROTC programs sends, you know, they send their teams. Uh, you have the Air Force, Navy, they send a couple teams. And then you have the Sandhurst from United Kingdom, England, they send their team. So we prep all year to do this three day military competition. So uh, the Sandhurst thing for my company, uh, we would wake up early in the morning, five, five thirty, go to the gym, work out, and then we would train on our tactics uh, in the afternoon. So we can actually be very competitive. Fortunately we never won, but it, it was a good time. It's a good way for us to prepare ourselves once we go out to the real big army. So some people will wait till six o'clock, six thirty, and that's like the latest time when the freshmen are yelling out what we call minutes and like attention all cadets. 
there are one minute till blah, 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 till formation. So people are running out of their rooms with their uniform, try to get into formation. So it's, it just depends who you are. Sure. And, and I got to assume from what I've heard that there is a wide range of people at these military academies. You got people from all parts of the country, various backgrounds. It's just a really diverse uh, atmosphere, right, with the student body. Oh, absolutely. All different walks of life. You even have international cadets. You have guys from a good friend of mine that was from Iraq. Uh, we had guys from Nicaragua, Honduras. I mean, we have international cadets from all over the world to come to the academy, uh, kind of grooming their kind of future officers for their armies. So, yeah, from all different walks of life. Wow. Wow. That is, it's just great to hear some of this stuff, Maynard. And Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, one thing that I have always been interested in is the Army-Navy football game. It's a big deal. It's a huge rivalry. Uh, you, you put all the other rivalries aside compared to this one. It's, uh, it's, it's two teams and schools that don't like each other, but they're also on the same side after graduation. So what can you tell me about the Army-Navy football rivalry? Oh, it's it's it's. It's from what, 1879 was our first Army-Navy game. Um, I, I Googled that, so I don't have that memorized. <laughs> but um, the, the week prior to Army-Navy game, it's just a big festivity for at both uh, West Point and the Naval Academy. We have a lot of competitions against Navy. Uh, we, the engineering departments, they, they build a boat. So we, have, we usually have a bonfire the day prior to Army-Navy, and we burn it, kind of like doing our prep rally prior to the, the football team departing to head down to Philadelphia to for the game. And the whole week, like the whole greeting when we see upperclassmen or we see an officer say, beat Navy, sir, beat Navy, ma'am, we salute. <laughs> uh, it's just we're focused on that. We, we may have lost the, the, every game in the entire season, but as long as we beat Navy, it's a winning season for us. So it's, it's quite a rivalry, a huge tradition. And then uh, once we get to the game, Everybody, we have our, our grays on, our, our uniform on, and we do the, uh, the walk-on the, uh, where we go onto the field and we do some salute, then we do the rocket, one of our chants, and then we, we stand up the entire game rooting for, for the Army team to beat Navy. And unfortunately, my four years at the academy, we did not beat Navy that year so, or each year, so I never get to experience a win. But I know last year Navy beat us. Two years before, we beat Navy finally. So it's, it's been quite an interesting ride for us. It's really hard not to watch that game and, and to get emotional from a, and this is from a civilian, not a, anyone is a member of the military, but it's so cool to see the broadcast and they, they go around the world to different army members and Navy members. And just, there's so much invested in that one game, you know, those three hours on a, on a Saturday, it's always a standalone game. There's nothing else going on. And I, I can't believe that you got to be, uh, the, to be a part of that, that's just, that's just incredible, Maynard, uh, to march on the field and, and to just be a student for those four years, unfortunately, uh, not having to get, not getting a win must have, must have sucked, but I love the alma mater singing at the end too. That, that's something really special. Yeah. Our goal is to sing, sing second always. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it always, it's whenever we sing the alma mater, it, it just, yeah, definitely kind of, it's like a, a tough moment because, you know, we, we've, we have lost peers. 
uh, friends in, in, in combat and so forth. So, you know, seeing the alma mater is, means a lot to us. Um, yeah, it's West Point. Yeah, it's very tough to get into. I'd be you know, happy to talk to anybody about the academy and you know, how to prepare and what you need to do to be successful and so forth. But yeah, it's, it was, I'm very fortunate to, to being given the opportunity to go to the academy and graduate from there. That's outstanding, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's something to be proud of and it's something we're all proud of you for doing. Uh, it's definitely a, a tall task and it's not for everyone. Not everyone can, can do what you do, Maynard. So uh, my hat's off to you. And, and what was life like immediately after graduating West Point? Uh, it's, it's interesting. Like uh, you're used to a, like a unique culture at West Point and then you, you, you graduate and you go into the big army. It's like, uh, this is what I've been preparing myself for the past four or five years. And my first assignment was, was, at, was at Fort Hood, Texas, which is central Texas, about an hour and a half north of Boston. And uh, once I joined, signed into the unit, I was told immediately, hey, we're deploying to Iraq. Get yourself ready. So uh, one of the, what we call kind of like our Super Bowl event, you know, making sure that the unit's ready to deploy. Uh, we go to the National Training Center uh, by Barstow, Fort Roman, California, and we do a kind of like a 14-day type training event exercise to make sure, hey, this unit's ready to deploy. I went out there with the unit, learned, you know, from our action and so forth, and we deployed Iraq. In Iraq, I was a platoon leader uh, in charge of a night route clearance, so my job with six other vehicles was to go down uh, our, our, you know, streets and find roadside bombings, IEDs, so that was my, my, my first job in the Army was to do route clearance. And that was a very humbling experience. Thank God none of us got hurt. Uh, we did find a couple IEDs, but it's, it was pretty interesting and stable, and we all got back. And, yeah, that was, that was my first assignment. And I, I fortunately was able to deploy uh, with my unit to Iraq. Well, Maynard, I don't want to ask any, any stupid questions about, you know, your deployments over there or anything, but just a couple of uh, I guess behind the scenes stuff. When you guys were not out in the field, what what was life like? I I gotta imagine it was really hot, but like what what was life like at say the oh it was yeah at the base it was hot <laughs> so it, it it was hot it was 120 plus we wear our our gear so it feels like 130 degrees in Iraq mm -hmm. uh, but it gets super cold and cold in in the winter but it, it, back on base is because we do night operation we sleep during the day we go to the gym to work out um, me being an officer i have to do you know administrative paperwork kind of prepare our our, our uh, the plan for how we're going to execute our next our next mission so forth but it's been pretty stable sometimes we get our days off maybe a saturday or sunday and uh, uso is present there and we watch videos if they have videos uh, what was interesting is when we were the last unit to depart Iraq, so they were shutting a lot of stuff down. So we, we, we were getting bored. So, I mean, <laughs> going to the gym, lift weights, get big and swollen. Uh, and that's what we normally do in the Army out in, in, in whatever forward operating base you're operating from. So uh, it's pretty stable. Some people have their, you know, PlayStation or Xbox, so they play their video games. So <laughs> it just depends who you are. Oh man, that's cool. What? Uh, how long were you there in Iraq? So uh, we were there for six months, and then we sat in Kuwait for five months in case we had to go back in. Okay. So we were kind of like a task force, just prepping our vehicles just in case we had to back in. So it was it was our, I think it was our it was a twelve month deployment. So 
we, I think we're the last unit to ever done the, the 12 month de deployment as well before we shifted to a nine month deployment schedule. Okay. Okay. And then, so when you were there, Maynard, let me ask you, uh, what was something that, I mean, you're out there in, in the desert, you're in another country far, far from home. What is something that while you were there, you missed from home? I, I, you know, I don't know if it's a, an in and out double double, if it's uh, oh, yeah. what, what, what was some things that you missed and just look forward to in coming home? I mean, definitely. I mean, so, cause we, in, in route clearance, you're, you're in vehicles and you're with your guys, your driver, your gunner, and some dismounts in the back of your vehicle. And with route clearance, we operate very slow because we're trying to find IDs. So we would talk about random stuff. And a lot of it was food or, oh, I want to watch this movie <laughs> or I want to go to a football game, whatever it is. But mostly the majority of the time is food because sometimes the food at the, the DFAC, uh, the dining facilities on, um, on the forward operating base wasn't really good. So it's, we would talk a lot about food. Sometimes it's, oh, I just want to sleep in my own bed or, you know, I want to do you know, activities, go hunting, whatever the guys were into, whatever. So, uh, yeah, majority of the time we just talk about food it's like, <laughs> or beverages, whatever. <laughs> nice. So your, your deployment end, what was it like coming home after that, uh, those, those few months uh, in Kuwait? Uh, it was good. Uh, in Kuwait, we just focus a lot on our training because mm -hmm. um, we're a heavy mechanized unit. So we had an armor unit and we, we engineers, we operate on our Bradley. So smaller vehicle, kind of smaller of a tank. So we, we, we focus on that our, in our time in Kuwait, just, just training. But once we got home and the, the army really does a good job of kind of reintegrating yourself back into civilian life, you know, taking your time. And then, um, couple months later, we ramp up again, you know, we start on individual tasks, so learning how to, you know, reshoot your M4 or your 249, whatever weapon systems you're responsible of, and then start working yourself up of, you know, working as a squad and a platoon and so forth. So it's your nature of the beast of the cycle of deploying, coming back from deployment, gearing up for deployment, deploy. So Yeah. And where were you coming home to? Were you still on the East Coast? Were you in California? Where, where exactly were you? I know. So we we came back from Texas. Okay. So uh, fortunately, I was blessed too because at the time I was I was dating my wife. We decided to get married through the court system. Um, she was still in a critical job in Hawaii. So the big army said, "Hey, Manor, you're done being a platoon leader. We're gonna put you. We're gonna ship you to Hawaii." So I got to experience Hawaii for two years. So it was awesome. I got to be with my wife, but then I ended up being deployed to Guam for six months, uh, uh, working construction projects and being on a uh, humanitarian disaster relief team. So it was pretty interesting. So the army kept kept me busy. Wherever I go, I end up deploying. Mm -hmm. So I went. So I, went, I started Hood or Texas. I went to Hawaii, and then I went back to Texas. Deployed to Korea twice. So it's, you know, I've been busy throughout my 10 years in the army. Yeah, for sure. Frequent flyer miles, man. Uh, Maynard, you talk <laughs> about dating and, and marrying your wife and, you know, uh, try to paint a picture for us because that's got to be tough six months at a time being away from loved one. I mean, is there a lot of letter writing, a lot of uh, video communication uh, at the base? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, what's interesting too, my wife, she's also a West Point graduate mm -hmm. and also in the army. So 
we call it, they, they, normally it's called dual military. So she has her requirements, you know, she, she's deployed too. So it's one of the, the reasons why we're transitioning out of the army is just if we can spend time together, we have a 10th month old son. So um, it's, it's tough. Uh, we did a lot of writing. We did a lot of Skype. Uh, whenever the connectivity was good on base uh, in Iraq, we were able to Skype. So it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of writing and, you know, talking, emails. So it's, it was cre- a pretty interesting time. Well, I'm sure it's got to be uh, make things easier, you know, being with someone that is in your same field. You know, you hear a lot of police officers date other police officers just because they understand each other better. And, and so that's interesting. Uh, how, how long have you guys been married now? Uh, I would say seven years, about seven years. Wow. Wow. Time is flying. So yeah. what, uh, so you said you're transitioning out of the military. What's that process like and what are you guys uh, transitioning into? So, so the, our, our initial commitment coming out of West Point is five years active duty and then three years reserve. Uh, my wife and I, we did 10 years. So we don't owe any more service or uh, reserve time at all. So we were able to transition quickly and we don't have to go to the reserve. So we both made the decision, you know, uh, you know this is it for us, for the Army. We're just going to be civilians for the rest of our lives. Um, and each year uh, in the Army, you're given like two and a half vacation days per month. And you can't have no more than 60 in, in the fiscal year. So my wife and I, we both saved up, saved up about 60 days. So right now I, I'm on my transition leave. So I started in April and then I separate, like I effectively separate from the army on June 1st. So during this time, my wife and I, we've been interviewing. Uh, initially when we were transitioning or getting ourselves transitioned, we've been told, ah, oh, this summer or it, right now it's like everybody's hiring, you know, the economy's booming. And now with coronavirus, and a lot of companies are on a hiring freeze. So it's been pretty challenging for us to interview and, you know, get job offers. Unfortunately, we were blessed today that we both accept there are job offers and we're going to actually be moving to uh, outside of DC with a consulting firm. So we're, we're truly blessed for that opportunity. Oh, that is outstanding. Happy to hear that for you guys, Maynard. Yeah, it's a real tough time for everybody. And uh, that, that, that is wonderful news. And, and I, I, I love Washington, D.C. as a tourist and, and just knowing that there's so much going on there. So uh, we've been there on a few summer trips together and uh, you seems like you've been yep. <laughs> you've been everywhere. But uh, that is excellent news for you and your wife. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so with that said, Maynard, is that something that you find yourself doing long term is is being in D.C. in, in this consulting type work or is it just something for now that uh, you guys are going to try out and see where it goes? I definitely, yeah, try out and see how it goes. Uh, I think it's going to give me personally, it's going to give me more experience. Uh, it's going to help my resume because I grew up in the army. I've been mostly tactical, tactical. My wife, she's, she's done more construction. You know, she has her PE, PMP. I married up. She's, she's very smart. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so so she she has she had no issues finding job to be honest. So it's it's been a great blessing. So it's gonna give it's gonna give me a lot of more experience and see okay what what else can I do and then maybe we'll we'll move somewhere else or we stay with that organization because we both love it. So it's it's uh, it's hopefully it's it's for long term. 
Well, Maynard, you are an inspiration, brother. You've uh, you've reached a lot of the goals that you've set out for yourself, and I don't think there was any doubt for anyone who knew you that when, when we heard you were going to West Point, that you were not going to only excel there, but then excel in, uh, in the military life. And, and it's really happy to hear that all those things have come true. And, uh, you know, you, you are such an inspiration to us. And, and I'm so happy that, that uh, we're able to chat, man. It's, it's been a long time. Oh, yes. But, I mean, it's – and I'll be honest, and I wouldn't be here without the sport of – a lot of coaches, teachers, you know, you guys, friends, everybody. Uh, I remember Mrs. Orsburn, uh, she, she helped me prep for the interviews with the, you know, the House of Representatives or the congressmen and so forth. Uh, she really drilled me to make sure that, you know, I could communicate effectively, clear and concise. And it's, it's, I was very fortunate to have such a support from the, you know, from everybody. So I, I'm just, it was great. Yeah, you, you're you're humble guy, and uh, you <laughs> you're one of the uh, legends of uh, Real Hondo Prep. We'll say with with uh, one of the few who've, who've gone on to to a military academy, and it's uh, it's just really really cool to hear, Maynard. What what other uh, you've, you've reached and checked off almost all the goals you've set out to? What what do you see in the future for yourself, or maybe some some more future goals down the road? Uh, goals for me, uh, actually, I've, I've told my wife, and I think it's, this is a, a result of being, like, being, or have grown up in Care Youth League and Rio Honda Prep, and, you know, I've, I've talk, talked about, you know, being a teacher or, you know, going back to coaching because I miss, you know, coaching kids. Um, so maybe in the future I'll be, you know, assisting or coaching a youth sports program in the D.C. area, whatever it may be. Um, who knows what else I definitely want to work with West Point kind of be a liaison officer and you know go to other high schools and kind of help recruit uh, great people great future officers and hopefully just giving back to the community because I'll tell you what man I'm definitely will will definitely miss the military just going out to the field meeting people uh, the hardships the camaraderie it's 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 awesome it's just I'm a family man. I have a son. I want to focus on him and, you know, be there for my wife. So uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully I get to be a coach in the future. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool, man. Come full circle from, from your days coaching uh, as a real hondo prep student and, and uh, just looking back on, on your journey, starting in first grade, going through Cary Youth League, real hondo prep and West Point and uh, your army service and, and, Man, it, it's it's quite a story, Maynard. It's quite. Uh, I'm really glad that the listeners got a chance to hear it today. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, Maynard, is there anything else you'd like to touch on or say before we wrap it up here on the Get Home Safe podcast? No, I say, Matt, thank thank you for having me on again. Uh, if anybody's interesting of uh, going to West Point or any other service academy. Uh, you can always reach out, Matt. He, he'll, he'll have my information. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or on LinkedIn. Happy to talk about the academy and the military. Um, but Matt, thank you. You know, uh, the qualities, you know, stuff that Rio Hondo Prep has taught us, you know, it, it given us, you know, work ethic, you know, leadership and teamwork. So anybody who's gone through Care Youth League or Rio Hondo Prep will, will do it. We'll be, a, we'll have a successful career, 
successful time at the Academy. Uh, but Matt, thank you again for appreciate your time. Uh, it was, I enjoy this very much. Oh, it was a blast, my friend. And, and it's just a pleasure to talk to you and to hear some great stories. And, you know, guys, it's, uh, it's a, just a privilege that the, the different guests we get on this show and, and Maynard, you're definitely uh, towards the top of that list now is uh, Captain. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Captain Maynard Bohork is of the U.S. Army. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, the pleasure was all mine. And, and let's talk again soon. Hey, Matt, so there's one more thing. Yeah. Beat Navy. I was, <laughs> beat Navy, brother. I had it written down. I was going to close off. Amen, brother. Well, you, you guys <laughs> will get him again soon. I can't wait to watch that game next year. And, and you always gave me a reason to cho- cheer for the Army side of, uh, of uh, the best rivalry in sports. So, yes, sir, beat Navy. Beat Navy. Okay, Matt. Wow, a big thank you to Maynard Bohorquez, not only for being on the show today, but for your service, uh, for your wife's service, all you guys have done, all your colleagues, brothers and sisters in arms. We live in the greatest country on the planet, and it's definitely because of people like you who help secure those freedoms every day. And just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Thank you, Maynard, for sitting down with us and having a conversation. That was great to hear. Thank you for sharing the insights of uh, West Point and life in the Army. And yes, uh, sorry for all my Navy friends out there, but uh, you know, I'm going to have to say go Army uh, next fall or uh, winter when Army Navy play each other again. God willing, with the virus and all. Uh, the best rival in sports, Army versus Navy. Manor, thanks again for being here. Uh, my very best to your wife, uh, your twin sister Monica, your parents, Mr. and Mrs. Bohorquez. God bless and uh, good luck with everything uh, down the road. Thank you again. Well, tomorrow, guys, is Wednesday, and that means Bill Barnes. Love him or hate him, he's here every week, middle of the week for us. He will bring some random thought and some maybe controversial opinions, but that's why he's here, to stir up the pot a little bit. I can promise you he's going to be very excited, (laughs) quite passionate. Like I said at the opener, he's going to be from a different state speaking to us so it will be a lot of fun to hear from him and uh, see if he uh, has lost a step or not now that we've had a few different episodes with him so really looking forward to that thank you to all those who have listened today that'll wrap up another fun episode of the get home safe podcast we are rolling right into may here and hopefully uh start to see some changes right thanks to those who emailed in contacted us on Facebook. You know where to find us. We'll be here every morning, every morning, Monday through Friday with a new episode for you and look forward to hearing from some of you out there who reach out to us and just appreciate the, the various support I have got. Uh, it's, it's been constant. It's been so uplifting and, and I'm humbled by all the listeners who, who join in. So thank you to everybody. And guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.